0: Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and love. Give us wisdom, and Lord, we just thank you for you, Lord, your faithfulness to your church. Your church is strong. It's alive. Lord, those that trust you and look to your word, keep us from deception, the greatest deception from within your church today, Lord. Many will follow the pernicious way you tell us through Peter, and so Lord, give us your mind, your wisdom, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The message is entitled, The Reliability of Scripture. Dr. Peter W. Stoner, in his little book, Science Speaks, it's out of print, you might be able to get it on uh, Amazon or something like that, published in 1963, opened up his preface by saying the following, quote, A generation ago, before 1963, there were dire discrepancies between Genesis 1 and the findings of science, and especially was the true This is true of astronomy. The attack of the critics came primarily from the sciences. And the faith of many young people were wrecked because they thought the Bible was in serious error and therefore could no longer be trusted. You remember those scopes, trials, all that kind of stuff. The 60s came in, relativism, situational ethics valid clarifications, all that kind of stuff. He says, since that time, tremendous advances in the sciences have taken place. One by one, the items of conflict between science and Genesis account have become uh, harmonized. Today, the last serious point of conflict between the scriptures and science um, has not only been harmonized, but the findings of science stand all ready to supply tremendous evidence that the Bible could not have been written, representing the education of culture of that day. Today, if our young people were properly taught in the churches, there is no possible excuse for losing their faith in college. For everything that they study in the physical science that will speak of the unerring truth of the Bible, if they will stop to consider it, will prove to them that God alone could have been the author of the Bible. Dr. Stone used to teach here at at, uh, Pasadena City College back in the 60s when he wrote this little book like that. It's an incredible book. Uh, The illustration I'm going to give you come from that book. Dr. Stoner defines science as the following. Listen. The result of the attempts of man to determine what God did in the creation and what laws he laid down. Keep in mind that the bulk of scientific information and evidence that we possess, even up to the present day, 2014, was not known to science till about 100, 110 years ago. Much of what was considered true has been proven to be in error. With the growing opposition, antagonism, and rejection of God in the Bible as being the only revelation of God, what I want to do is show you how time proves that the Bible is the very Word of God. Not just a mere book written by men that people always tell you. I want to begin by the claims of the Bible. And don't bother taking those, you won't be able to take them. Just kick back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. The Bible is God's revelation. Let me define revelation. Revelation is the acts of God whereby He makes Himself and truths known at special times and to specific people. God reveals certain truths. There is general revelation creation, conscience, and history. Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. Point that to you. With those three, we are without excuse. We know there's a creator. That's general revelation. Then you have special revelation. Special revelation in the Old Testament comprises of theophanies, appearances of God, miracles, prophecies, etc. In the New Testament, by his son Jesus Christ, the ultimate revelation. Hebrews one verse one and two tells us that God in different times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers, but has in these last days spoken us through His dear Son. Period. No one else. He doesn't speak through Krishna, Allah, or anybody else. Buddha, your aunt, nobody. Jesus Christ. He's the only one. The fool has said, literally, no God. Psalm fourteen one. So if you believe there's no God, the Bible calls you a fool. Irrational, non-thinking, creation shows you the glory of God. Your body, the intricacy of your eye, your ear, your ability to move this finger, your body itself, everything. The Bible is the inspired word of God. So you have revelation, you have inspiration. Let me define inspiration for you. Inspiration is the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit upon divinely chosen men, in consequence of which their written or their writings became trustworthy and authoritative. Inspiration deals with the recording of God's truths, making it infallible and inerrant. Not only in things pertaining to life and practice, but history, archaeology, and science. Not theories of men. Nothing in the Bible is contradicted by pure, real science. Here's the basic definition of science. If you've taken a biology class, 101, whatever. Science is this. Something you can see, something you can duplicate and observe in a lab. Basic definition. Evolution. Haven't seen it, cannot duplicate it. Don't find it any worse. The scientific definition defies and throws out evolution. It's a theory, but more than a theory, it's the religion of our world. Inspiration claims divine source and authority. Uh, In 2 Timothy 3.16, you're familiar with the scripture, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Theopneusto literally expired from God, coming out from God for doctrine, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. You want to be a godly man or woman? Then get your face in the Word of God. You want to be a lawyer or a liar? Go to law school. You want to be a doctor? Go to medical school. But you want to be a Christian? Get in the Bible. Not other books. Now, I read other books, but this is the sifter. Okay? The problem is there's a lot of bad books over there. We've got a lot of pop Christian psychology for the most part. Pop Christian emergentism out there, which is nothing but contemplative prayer and uh, crazy things molded in with um, the cults and everything. And you've got people who are merging into this. You've got Driscoll. You've got McLaren. You've got Rob Bell. You've got all kinds of people. You've got Rick Warren. He's a stepping stone to them. Seeker Friendly. But even the church wants to be politically correct. I could care less about political correctness. I could care if you're black, you're white, you're purple. I could care if you have a billion dollars or one dollar. I don't really care. I'm called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in truth. That's the most important thing. And that's why our nation is in the shape it's in. Because even the church has become politically correct. <clears throat> the scriptures are expired off from God. Through holy men. First Peter one 19 through 19-21 says, The men of old did not speak of their own impulse. The, your, your translation, even the King James, the New King James, has a wrong translation there. They use the word private interpretation. It's wrong. It is literally of no private impulse or origin. And the next verse defines it. For they, were, they spoke as they were carried along by the Spirit of God. So in other words, Paul, Peter, and these guys did not say, Well, you know, I think I'll write my book today. No, the Spirit of God came upon them, wrote the book, the writing of it, inspiration guarantees its inerrancy and its infallibility. It's recorded accurately. It is God's revelation. And after they wrote that, they were regular clowns like you and I. All right? Simple. And they weren't robots because you can tell the difference between Paul's writings and Peter's writing. Okay? Real simple. Now, The Bible is the Word of God. The Scriptures declare over 3,800 times phrases like, Thus saith the Lord. The Word of the Lord came to me. The Lord said, Write. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Over 3,800 times phrases like that. The Lord Jesus believed that the Bible was the Word of God. Now, when Jesus walked in the earth, they only had Old Testament. Sometimes we think that Jesus had a New Testament. No, no, no. It's just Old Testament. Okay? Okay? He never doubted or implied manuscript error. He spoke of Noah, creation, Adam and Eve. He mentioned Cain, Abel. He referred to Sodom and Gomorrah. He quoted Moses, Isaiah, Daniel. He quoted from the scriptures as prophecy. Jesus accepted the Old Testament historically and literally. Including the prophecies and declared, for assuredly surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by what no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. The smallest letter or the smallest stroke above the letter, to to tell how it's pronounced. Matthew five, eighteen. Jesus said, My word is inerrant and infallible. And all these guys, they're real people. (laughs) Now, who do you think is the highest authority? Your PhD professor or Jesus Christ, Dr. Stoner says, quote, "Take the 13 claims about creation in Genesis 1. The chance factor of Moses guessing the proper order in one chance in 311 million, 351,040. That's the chance of Moses." guessing the proper order of Genesis 1 of the creation. That's astounding. It's a huge number. So either Moses was really lucky or God spoke to him. Every person that ever reads the Bible or hears the claims of the Bible must take a decisive evaluation of the Bible. Either it is God's word or merely words of men. One of the two. If I choose to receive the Bible as God's word, then I receive the truth that the Bible says about me, that I'm a sinner in need of repentance. Amos 3.3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question with only one answer. No. If you say yes, you get an F. It's no. I agree with God. He does not agree with me. Every person has to make a decision on the content of the Bible. Or are they mere stories? Are they embellished? Are they inaccurate? Are the warnings just to put some kind of weird fear in us? Or are they really true warnings to teach us? If I take them as silly stories, then I will mock and dismiss them as um, being um, relevant to me. (laughs) They don't apply to me. It's a different day. If I embrace them as true, then they will cause me to identify myself as a sinner in need of a savior. Then, because then I agree with God in the creation and the fall. Do you realize that Genesis one to Genesis eleven is two thousand years, right? Eleven chapters, two thousand years, and from Genesis twelve, Abraham to Jesus Christ is two more thousand years. So here you go. Whatever. If we just take, we'll just take this much right here. Here's two thousand years. Here's two thousand years. <laughs> Do you know how detailed God could be in creation? He didn't. He just said, "I created it." That's a fact, Jack. Like it? Fine. No, doesn't matter to me. Wow. That's power, that's authority. So these are some of the claims of the Bible. Secondly, the transmission of the Bible. Um, writing is known to have existed as early as uh, four to 5,000 years B.C. in Egypt. The materials that were used varied. There was stone that was used. Moses was commanded to, to inscribe the law on stones, if you remember, Mount Ebal when they came into the land, on Mount Gerizim in Deuteronomy 27, 2, and 3. There was also clay tablets that were used. Ezekiel may refer to those clay tablets in Ezekiel 4. one. Uh, huge libraries have been discovered, such as those of the uh, kings of Assyria in 650 B.C. and others. Wood also was used in Greece for many centuries as they would uh, whitewash the wood in order that they would receive the ink better. Uh, Habakkuk could refer to wood in chapter 2, verse 2. Leather is well known uh, to be used uh, for thousands of years uh, on animal skins. The Jews used them for the scriptures as well as others. Uh, Papyrus was the universal writing material going back as far as uh, 3500 B.C. and derived from Egypt and they grew on the Nile River. Um, They would flatten them and then weave them in between and it would make a sheet of paper. We have many papyrus manuscripts, by the way, um, that we possess. Vellum or parchment were also used. Vellum refers to skins of calves. And parchments to skins of sheep and goats used for the, uh, from the 4th century through the Middle Ages, um, even for God's Word. Now, the meticulous care it's astounding how the scribes would transcribe and transmit from one copy. Because remember, they didn't have printing presses. Okay? They, 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 they wrote them out. This is the meticulous care they did. And by the way, the newer was a more valuable. Not the older. Because the older decayed. We like antiques. We put more money on antiques. Not in those days. The newer parchment or the vellum was more valuable because it would last longer, because everything is decaying. Alright? right? So we go the reverse. Listen to the meticulous care. Um, They counted the words and the letters of each book. You want to start with Isaiah? (laughs) Every letter, every word. They calculated the middle verse, word and letter of a book. The middle verse of the Pentateuch is Leviticus 8 7. And we're looking, we're talking about the Hebrew Bible order, not ours, okay? The middle verse of the Bible is Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6 7. They mark verses in all letters of alphabet. The synagogue rolls had to be written on skins of clean animals. They fastened them together with strings taken from clean animals. And each skin had to be contain a number of columns equal throughout very meticulous the length could not exceed less than 48 or more than 60 lines on each column the breadth had to consist of 30 letters the entire copy had to be first lined if three words were written without lines it would be worthless the ink was to be black not red green, or any other color, and it's according to the recipe. The authentic copy was exemplar. Not a letter or yod or tittle was to be from memory. Eyes were to never leave the scroll, regardless of who entered the room. Between consonants, there was to be a space of a hair or a thread. Between new sections, spaces, Of nine consonants. Between every book, three lines. The fifth book of Moses must end exactly with a line, but the rest need not. The copier had to wear full Jewish dress when he's doing this. The copier had to bathe his entire body. The name of God had to be written with a new pen and he had to wash. So every time he came across the name of God, he would have to change and wash and change the ink pen. Count the name of God in Isaiah. That was one clean priest. (laughs) The rejects were burned, buried, or banished to school. Which... We'll get into a little bit, and Doc's already talked about the Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, their inferior texts. There's blots out, there's omissions, there's cross out, there's notes. They're inferior, not superior texts, as the majority of the scholarly world declares. The manuscript evidence of the Bible is interesting. The Bible has an overwhelming number of copies. People always say, well, how do you know the Bible? Listen carefully. It has more manuscript evidence than than any ten pieces of classical literature. Those of you who are in college understand this. Listen, A.T. Robertson, New Testament Greek scholar, declared that we have 8,000 manuscripts of Latin Vulgate, 1,000 earlier versions, 4,000 Greek manuscripts, 13,000 portions. Most, if not all, of the New Testament can be reproduced from early church writers. Warfield and Philip Skoll both declare that the word has been transmitted to us with no or next to no variations. Each, you got to understand the footnotes, okay? You know, figures don't lie, but liars sure can't figure. Okay? When your Bible says this is not found in the best of manuscripts, they're telling you about two major ones, maybe a third one. Okay? Sinaiticus Vaticanus. Okay? But they don't tell you it is found in 5,000 other ones. So you lie by not telling you all the truth. Each misspelled word is counted in every manuscript. So if there are 3,000 manuscripts of a certain text and there's one error in it, they say there's 3,000 errors. How dishonest is that? It's one error repeated 3,000 times in each manuscript. There's your Christian scholarship. Up here at Fuller Cemetery and others. Okay? Not very honest, huh? The Bible, compared to other authors of the past, went hand down. The Bible was written in the latter part of the first century, as you know. The seven plays of Sophocles are accepted as authentic texts. Yet, the manuscripts are 1,400 years after his death the universities teach it as authentic 1400 years after the history of the Pseudides, 460 to 400 BC known to us by 8 manuscripts the earliest 900 AD the Bible within the first century 40-60 years of the event the history of Herodotus 488 to 428 BC no one doubts them no one yet The earliest manuscript we have are 1,300 years later. Most mistakes and variations of the Bible are in spelling. We have about 98.33% pure Bible. The minute letter or word would never affect the sense or the context of the text at all. Listen to Dr. Stoner again. Taking the same chance of probability of the 13 items in Genesis 1 of the 311,351,040, where did Moses get the 13 things to arrange them in that order? Did Moses know about dark nebulas so he could write a perfect description of 1 in verse 2? That is absurd. For the greatest of the scientists, having many photographs of dark nebulas, never guessed one existed until about 40 years ago. That was 1963, so that would put it back about 23, 1923. Um, It is estimated that about 100 billion people lived from the day of Moses before anyone knew what his description meant. We should say then that he did not have more than one chance in a hundred billion of being able to describe the dark nebula. Now, those of you who are mathematicians know how incredible that number is. <laughs> Once again, either Moses was just, or uh, he, he should have gone to Vegas. <laughs> How often people believe and say that the Bible has errors and contradictions. Next time somebody tells you that, hand them the Bible says, show me that one. Show me one. Well, they're little liars. They've never read the Bible. They're like parrots. They repeat the same lie that's been told to them. And how dare they say that when they have not investigated themselves. They're dishonest. They're repeating the same lie. And if you repeat the same lie long enough, it'll be accepted as truth. You know who said that? Hitler. So we repeat the same lies in our government and everything else. Well, that's why we have to pass it, so we can find out what's in it. And nobody says nothing. Really? Wow! How many of you ever bought a car without driving it? Any of you ever buy a house without going and seeing it? These are our leaders. Brain dead. They've never read the Bible. They're dishonest, disingenuous. The evidence involving the transmission of the Bible is of the highest integrity, ladies and gentlemen. Would you possess in your labs is God's Word. It's not what the neo Orthodox say that it becomes God's Word. It is God's Word, whether you read it or not. Now, the emergent church is, has roots in neo Orthodoxy. Okay? It's neither new nor Orthodox. Orthodox means straight. They accept the accepted thing, okay? You have an orthopedic doctor, bone broken, he straightens it out. Okay? Same root. There's no new orthodoxy that came from the German school of liberal thinking that invaded Fuller Seminary. The little book out there by Paul Smith will tell you the history of all that happened. Battle for the Bible. Now all these books are going out of print. And they're allowing them on the shelves so that nobody has the truth anymore. You need to understand what's going on in our nation and in the church today. The greatest enemy is not outside the church today. The greatest enemy is inside the church today. Let me give you the uniqueness of the Bible. Un- the unity and harmony of the Bible. The Bible contains 66 books, as you know, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. The Bible was written over a 1,600-year span. The Bible was written in by 40 authors, all different. Um, the red thread can be seen from Genesis to Revelation, though, Of the person of Jesus Christ from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, all the way to the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world in John 1.29, to the very Messiah that returns in Revelation 19 on the white horse with the sword coming out of his mouth and destroying the armies that are gathered to stop him from setting up the kingdom. All the way through, one red thread, Jesus Christ. Now how can, through all those years, all those authors from different continents have the same message? Without confusing it, contradicting it, or convoluting it. The instruments used to write the Bible vary from kings to fishermen, statesmen, tax collectors, herdsmen, military generals, doctors, and rabbis. The Bible was written from diverse places. Moses in the wilderness. Jeremiah from the dungeon. Ezekiel from Babylon in captivity. Daniel from Shushan the palace or Susa. David in Jerusalem. Paul in prison. The mission field. Luke interviews. Travels. Written in times of war, peace, prosperity, poverty. In joyous times, times of despair, times of sorrow, persecution. Written in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. The Bible contains eyewitness accounts of the Old Testament and New Testament Gospels. The Bible contains law, history, poetry, prophecy. From Old Testament into the New The New Testament also has history, prophecy, Acts, the book of Revelation. The Bible deals with law, civil, criminal, ethical, ritual, moral, sanitary. The Pentateuch of the Old Testament is classic. The epistles confirm some of those things. The Bible gives to us accounts of wars, treaties, biographies, and records of kings that are so so detailed, so exact... That when you, you know, some of us think that those genealogies and the list of kings and this king was here and this king was that many years. And we think that God put it in there so when we can't sleep at night, we can open the Bible and fall asleep. It's not what it's for. Okay. It's for you to to meticulously study that and and, and, and chase those things through and find out how accurate those records are. The persecution and industriability of the Bible. How many have tried to destroy the Bible? They're gone. The Bible's still here. In 303 AD, Diocletian gave a command to destroy the Christians and Bibles. He made a medal thinking that he had succeeded. It read the following, quote, The Christian religion is destroyed. The worship of the gods restored. End of quote. Twenty-five years later, Constantine had Yesubius prepare 50 copies of the scriptures at the government's expense. <laughs> Tyndale was strangled and burned to ashes at the stake. With his last breath, he prayed, Lord, open the king's eyes, the king of England. Inquisition took the Bible from the people, survived the critics, emperors, popes, and kings. And many said the Pentateuch had to have been written after Moses. Because there was no known writing until they found the detail of the Hammurabi predating Moses and Abraham. And every time the critics come up with something, God gets some archaeologists, go dig something up to confirm the Bible. There has never been one archaeological evidence that has contradicted the Bible. Only affirmed it. Not one. One. Archaeologists, Christian and non-Christian, use only one book to go digging in the Middle East. The Bible. That's how accurate it is. So-called higher critics said there was no Hittites. But through the archaeology of of the years, we know now that there was um, a 1,200-year span of Hittite civilization. Daniel was disputed until the elephantine papyrus were discovered. The Bible was the first book taken to outer space, by the way, in microfilm. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the longest telegram was from New, of the New Testament from New York to Chicago. It is one of the most expensive books. The Russians sold the Codex Sinaiticus that we've been talking about to England for $510,000. F the late F. F Bruce, scholar of the New Testament, said this quote There is no body of ancient literature in the world which enjoys such a wealth of good textual attestation as the New Testament. It was written much closer to its origin than any other writing. The combined quotes, combined quotes of just seven church fathers, listen carefully of the New Testament. 19,368 quotes of the gospel, 1,352 of the book of Acts, 14,035 Paul's epistles, 870 general epistles, 664 the book of Revelation, 36,209 total quotes, just seven church fathers. The Dead Sea Scrolls, Doc Johnson spoke a little bit about them. They were found in March 1947 the Qumran Cave. Some of you guys were there with us as we went down to this last year, about May, eight miles south of Jericho. They date back to 125 BC, giving us a thousand year older manuscript than one we possessed. Others date back to 200 BC. Um, when compared to the Masoretic text, the Hebrew text, they were the same 500 to 1000 years AD, meaning traditions inserting. The vowels and the points. It's an amazing find. It's made up of some 40,000 inscribed fragments from these 500 books, have been constructed. One scroll had Isaiah 53. Only 17 letters were in question. Listen carefully. Ten of them were spelling, not affecting the sense. Four more regarded style, such as conjunctions. Last three comprise the word light, added in verse 11, and does not affect the meaning. 700 years earlier text, identical. God's word. (laughs) The demand of the Bible is incredible. It is the most read book. Still, which I'm amazed because we become so anti-God and now anti-Christ in America So you can go to school and tell them you worship Buddha and they'll applaud you you tell them you worship Allah and they'll give you a, an assembly but you tell them that you worship Jesus and they'll kick you out this is America do you realize that just Twenty years ago, when Russia brought the wall down, we went into Russia and we preached in the universities and the schools about Jesus Christ. now you can 't do that here it 's amazing. The Bible is published in more languages than any other in portions or entire copies, about forty to fifty years ago, maybe a longer now um, The British Foreign Bible Society, to meet the demands, had uh, to publish, um, this is from 1980, one every three seconds, day and night, 22 copies every minute, day and night, 1,369 copies every hour, day and night, 32,876 copies every day in the year. Now you tell me any other book that's printed like that. (laughs) Dr. Stoner, again, listen. What are the chances of Moses getting the 13 items of Genesis 1 all accurate in the satisfactory order? Using the estimated that we have just suggested, the one I gave you last, we must multiply them all together, and as a result, we find that Moses had one chance in, and it's 31, um, I mean, let me go backwards. You have thousand, um, million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sectillion. So 31 sectillion, 135 quintillion, 104 all the way down. A lot of numbers, okay? I'll give you an example of it. Getting both the items in the order order accurate. That's the the odds. He says, to visualize this by number of tickets, you would have to engage more than 8 million presses, each capable of printing 2,000 tickets per minute. And then... They would have to run day and night for five million years to print this number of tickets. Now, let one ticket be marked and the whole mass thoroughly stirred up. And then we will blindfold you and let you draw one ticket. Will you get the right one? Your chance is better than Moses. Chances would have been of writing this one chapter from the information known in his day. It's amazing what we have in the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen. Which human writing as a book can you rely on as a final authority that never has been updated? Apart from the Bible. The books I went to school with, they've been recalled. If I go back to school with them, they'll they'll laugh at me. The Bible has never been updated. The Bible communicates needful truth to every generation about God, man, sin, and redemption. It's never changed. What group of men in the past history have um, agreed to lie and then die for that lie to the succeeding generations? None. Christianity has not only survived but flourished despite of persecution, or should I say, especially in persecution. The blood of the saints is the seed of the saints of the church. Persecution never hurt the church. You see, we as Americans have lived in Christian Disneyland. The rest of the church has always lived the way it's stated in Scripture, under persecution. But persecution is coming to America. Sooner or later, if the Lord doesn't rapture us. Trust me. If we remain much, much longer, I will go to jail from this pulpit. Guaranteed. Make no mistake of that. How do people explain all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that are in harmony, unity, one God, who revealing himself as the redeemer of mankind? They can't. So this overwhelming evidence marks the um, uniqueness of the Bible. And if we just took one aspect of the Bible, prophecy, that itself wins hands down. Just the very prophecy of the 70 week of Daniel. You you guys are familiar with that, you know. I mean, Daniel gets it from 9:24 uh, down to 26. It begins with the countdown of Artaxerxes, March 14, 445 B.C. That's the beginning point. It ends when Jesus Christ enters Jerusalem on March 32, April 6 the uh, A.D. there. Zechariah 99 9 confirms this. So you have the first 69 weeks of Daniel exactly from that starting date of May 14 445 BC forward it's exactly to the day 483 years to the day based on a 360 biblical year not the Gregorian calendar of 365 to the very day 483 years so 69 of the weeks have been fulfilled one week left it's Daniel 9:27. That week is seven years. It's a multiple of sevens like before. That's the seven-year tribulation and great tribulation. So the clock has been stopped. It will begin when the rapture begins. Then the Antichrist will appear. Then the Jews will be the focus of God. When the Antichrist declares himself God and enters the temple, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and he sets up an image and he causes us to speak, then they will know and they will flee to the wilderness. The abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15. Then three and a half years, Jesus will return with his church, us. To fight the battle of Armageddon set up the kingdom. And the remnant of Israel will be protected by God as they flee to the wilderness, Revelation 12. And God will protect them, in the city of Petra. And they will call upon their Messiah. That prophecy is incredible. Incredible. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. If you would have known this, I day the things that were prepared for you, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And you shall not see me henceforth. You say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he wept over Jerusalem. They had it. They had it there. They were expecting a conquering Messiah, not a suffering Messiah. The church today, emergent church, they're looking to a conquering Messiah. Not a suffering Messiah. They're teaching prosperity. They're teaching self belief and all that. They're teaching subjectivism, not objective truth. If you study prophecy, you're wasting your time, Rick Warren says. Really? Well, let me see. Jesus says study prophecy. Rick Warren says not do. Okay, let me see. Who am I going to believe? And he's called America's pastor, not my pastor. We are done as America. We have sown to the wind. We have reaped the whirlwind, ladies and gentlemen. The only hope is Jesus Christ. This overwhelming evidence marks the uniqueness of the Bible. Now, let me close with the purpose of the Bible. Real simple. First, the Bible is not written as a science book. The Bible does not attempt to describe the things of creation in the technical language. God just says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom. That's it. Then he's day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. That's it. Like it or lump it. One of the two. It doesn't try to persuade you. The Bible does not bother to explain the details of the flood, but just simply gives us the recorded facts that God destroyed Every living being that did not believe the proclamation for 120 years. Why did he wait 120 years? He knew nobody was going to be saved, so that he would never be able to blame of being impatient or unjust. You know how patient God has been with you. He's just smoke every one of us every day. He's patient, he's loving. The Bible does not bother to declare who Cain married. Of course, I had to be a sister. Who else? But God doesn't want to get in an argument. Can you accept it? Fine. If not, no big deal. Also, the Bible was not written to appeal to man's intellectual appeal primarily. For it rejects the things of God, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says. The natural mind doesn't, doesn't accept the things of God. It rejects it. It exalts itself above God. God is transcendent beyond man's ability to understand the things of God. God uses man's intellect, but we're not to depend upon it. The Holy Spirit makes things alive, and we understand the things we do by the grace of God, not because we're so smart. For if men could know that Jesus was God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, Paul says. But the Bible also was written to reveal man's need of God and to bring him to repentance before God. That's the whole goal, salvation. Because he loves man, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him should not perish but everlasting life. Greatest verse in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's a gospel in a nutshell right there. Incredible. And because his son died for man, he died for the ungodly. I presume you qualify, Romans 5, 6. <laughs> okay? God didn't die for good people. There's not one good. When people tell you, well, man's good, tell him, finish the sentence, good for nothing. Man's not good. Man's good for sinning. And because he's coming back to judge the world, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7, and 8, God wants you to be ready and myself. God doesn't want to pour out his wrath. God wants to pour out his love and salvation. That's his goal. But he doesn't force you to go to heaven. You have all the right to go to hell. But you don't have to go there. God does not determine... Or you spend eternity. You determine it. If you're a Calvinist, you better think your theology through. If you believe God predestined a few to be saved and damn the remainder, then how can God judge them for rejecting the gospel he caused them and predestined them to reject? God would have to be the author of their sin and their failure. Can't get around it. But also because God has allowed the record that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And the believing you might have eternal life. John 20, 31. There's so many things that could have been written. So many volumes. So many libraries could have been filled. But these things are written that you might believe that he is the Son of God. And believing you might have eternal life. What a gracious God we have. That he would just constantly be initiating salvation through the gospel. Convicting people. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That you would agree with God and that you would say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Make me like you. Save me. Wow. Professor M. Montier Williams said, quote, Pile them, if you will, on the left hand of your study. But place all your own Holy Bible on the right side of all by itself. All alone. And with a wide gap between all your books and the Bible, for there is a gulf between it and the so-called books of the East, which severs the one from the other utterly, hopelessly, and forever. <laughs> Nothing like the Bible. The question is, do you see yourself as a sinner in need of salvation? Maybe you're here and you're just one of these brainiacs. You're just looking for information. Maybe you're a Christian. You go from place to place. That's always the greatest information. Or where's the Holy Spirit? Are are, are you following Jesus and growing, committed to a church? Or are you just one of these guys that just goes around and you're a collector? (laughs) You have to be careful. (laughs) Salvation um, is only by the name of Jesus Christ, as you know, Romans 10, 9 says. We believe in our heart. We confess with our mind. We shall be saved. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. It's through the gospel that God initiates, and then we respond in agreement with him or rejection of God. All my sins will be forgiven, as far as Jesus is aware, Psalm 103.12 says, when I repent. I become a new creation, a new creature, Second Corinthians 5.17. If I believe that Jesus died in my place, and that he forgave me, he died for my sins, that I might be forgiven. And that I can be made a new creation by grace through faith. Not trusting myself, but Him. So the purpose of the Bible is to save man from his sins. That's the running theme of the Bible. Nothing less. The rest of the stuff is just incidental details. (laughs) That's all it is. Let me close with Voltaire. Voltaire, the noted 18th century French philosopher, said that it took centuries to build up Christianity, but I will show how just one Frenchman can destroy it within 50 years. Taking his pen, he dipped it into the ink of unbelief, and he wrote against God. Twenty years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society purchased his house for printing the Bible, and it later became the Paris headquarter for the British Informed Bible Society. The Bible is still a bestseller, an entire six-volume set of Voltaire's works, one sold for 90 cents just before his death the noted atheist wrote and swore quote I wish I had never been born eternity is real ladies and gentlemen where you spend it is up to you and it's based whether you believe this is God's word or not if you believe this is just a book like any other book you're going to be in good company where you're going but let me tell you, this afternoon, every person in hell is a believer. But it's too late. They know they were wrong. But there's no second opportunity. None whatsoever. Nobody's happy down there. Guaranteed. Neither is God happy about their destruction. The time to decide is while you're living. Not after you die. Anybody who tells you that you have an opportunity after you die is a liar and a deceiver. Any more than you can just go during high season to mammoth or occasion without making reservations. You'll never find a room. (laughs) That would be a better chance. You'll only get to heaven because you repented. And asked Christ to forgive you. Father, thank you for your grace and your love, your goodness thank you for your word and your goodness to us to bring us together to fellowship to just enjoy you your word and to be so impressed by you Lord your grace your love your goodness your word that you have just protected that you have preserved and the Lord you honor above your name and so Lord we thank you as you're praying maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ if you don't and God has brought you here to be saved maybe you're looking over the internet the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth you shall be saved so right where you sit I don't have altar calls because it doesn't matter if you come forward if you play games you walk out you're the same way you walked in whether you walk up or you're sitting down if you want to repent of your sins and be born again right where you sit you can ask him right now and he will forgive you and he will give to eternal life because you believe what the Bible says about you. That you are an enemy of God. The wrath of God is upon you. But you also now understand that Jesus was God who became man died for your sins. And the wrath of the Father was poured on him. That should have fallen upon you. And if you believe that. Then you understand that he paid the price for your sin. And calling upon him. God will impart and impute his righteousness to you. And make you a child of God. It's called repentance. If that's your decision, right where you sit, maybe you over the internet, this is your prayer to Him. Not to us, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's going to save you right now. This is your prayer. You can repeat it. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. For all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.